0: Hello everyone, welcome you all to another episode on Azure On Air. And this is Ari Lettersi, the lead product consultant of Serverless 360, an advanced cloud management platform for Azure. Today I have a very encouraging guest, Henry. And Henry works as an independent DevOps and Azure architect in the Netherlands region. Uh, he enjoys sharing his knowledge, Azure knowledge to the community through various platforms like speaking at conferences, writing blogs. In fact, he writes a book on his own. And in today's episode, we are going to explore more about Henry, his Azure knowledge, his expertise in working as infrastructure, as working with infrastructure as code, and a lot more about his. Personal uh, explorations as well, and here I have Henry for you all. Welcome, you Henry.
1: Thank you so much, uh, Izai. It's great to be here.
0: Awesome. So, Henry, I know you have a lot of expertise in building infrastructure as code services. Like, how are is this significant in day to day business? Enable us on this topic, please.
1: Well, I don't know about a lot of exper- expertise, but I have been mm-hmm. doing it, I think, for about eight years or so now mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in four or five different companies. And I think awesome. the take is very simple that I have. You can't go without. Um, mm-hmm. If I, At least when I look at, at developing cloud software that runs uh, on, uh, on infrastructure uh, that you can manage mm-hmm. through infrastructure as code. Um, mm-hmm. things like Azure resources, but also AWS, GCP, uh, et cetera. Mm. I think infrastructure as code is the only way that we should be creating mm. and deploying infrastructure, uh, into our production environments. No more uh, manual
0: touchy touch. Exactly yes so um, do am i correct in understanding that by adopting to infrastructure as code we can cut off a lot of manual errors and manual overheads in replicating an environment from say for example from non-production to production is this something that is relevant hindering is my assumption correct
1: i i think you are if i if mm-hmm. i go back to my i think oh. my first or second year as a developer i worked at a company that created bookkeeping software it was a mm-hmm. great company to uh, to work at. And and mm-hmm. we started creating not just a local client, but also our first cloud software.
0: Mm-hmm. And once
1: that became, became a little bit bigger and bigger, and um, the mm. deployment, which we were still doing manually, as well as mm-hmm. the maintaining of the infrastructure, um, mm-hmm. became quite a, how do you say that politely, pain in the backside. And because mm. everything that you did on your test environment, you had to write down step by step what you did And then when Mm -hmm. you went to go to production with the new changes, you had to go into the production environment and you had to do precisely the same thing once over Mm -hmm. as you did a week ago in your test environment. Mm -hmm. Now, while computers are very, very good at doing the same thing over and over again without mistakes, we Mm -hmm. humans are not. If you ask 10 persons to do the same thing from instructions, they're probably going to do it in eight different ways. Even if you ask just me to do the same thing twice with two weeks in between, I'm probably not going to be very good at repeating the same actions. And that makes Mm -hmm. we get differences between test and production, uh, and Mm -hmm. that we get different behavior on test as we get on production, which is not a thing Mm -hmm. that we want. Now Mm -hmm. codifying our infrastructure using either Mm -hmm. our templates and bicep, uh, but maybe Mm -hmm. even using scripts, we completely Mm -hmm. get that error out of the way. So yes, your assumption is correct, I believe. Absolutely.
0: And uh, am I correct in understanding that these uh, infrastructure as a code helps me build the cloud native systems with absolutely like uh, as we spoke with um, uh, less of errors and uh, reducing the configuration overhead. So is this something best suited for cloud native systems?
1: Um, I think in theory, you can Mm -hmm. apply infrastructure as code to any environment Mm -hmm. that you deploy to. Um, Mm -hmm. Just as we have done uh, uh, management of the configuration inside VMs using things like Ansible, um, there Mm -hmm. is nothing holding you back from building a system on-prem that you can manage Mm -hmm. using infrastructure as code. Uh, The thing is, with cloud, cloud has Mm -hmm. some, for example, the inherent property of elasticity, that we want Mm. to be able to quickly create resources or remove them when we don't need them anymore, because we're only paying for what we're creating. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is greatly enabled by having a means for quickly Mm -hmm. doing that, which can be infrastructure as code. So cloud has much more than on-prem from the start Mm -hmm. required infrastructure as code um, Mm -hmm. from another angle, namely that quick uh, elasticity, which Mm. I think means that cloud and infrastructure as code go hand Mm. in hand much more often. But it doesn't mean that you can't use it on-premises if you have a good system for it.
0: Angry, I agree. I agree. Uh, as you explained this, I can connect um, this with one of Marvel scenarios that we have worked with. As I said in the beginning, we have built a product serverless 360 that is an um, advanced cloud management platform for Azure integrations. So in this case, for our customers to experience a product, they need a basic integration up and running in place, um, for, for them to manage that using Serverless 360. So how do we utilize uh, like enable them is by giving them a Terraform script which will help them uh, bring up and cloud integration a basic uh, enterprise integration application up and running that comprises of various Azure services. Mm, so this is where I can connect my exposure to infrastructure as a code, Henry.
1: Well, that, that sounds wonderful. I think infrastructure as code is indeed a, mm-hmm. a way for enabling customers to quickly spin up the resources that you need, uh, without oh. you having to go, you know, into their environment to do it for them. Um, just give them the EIC the and uh, of IAC, I have to say, and they can do the rest themselves.
0: Absolutely. So, can you throw a bit more light on how, as a team, you can organize infrastructure as a code along with the pipelines as a code and uh, c code to deliver applications for your customers? Can you throw a bit more light into the space, Henry?
1: I, that's actually a, a good question that I, I get quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. There are different ways you can do it. Uh, mm-hmm. some, some people think it's wise to organize all the infrastructure as code together. Uh, into Uh a a single repository and and have them pipelines connected to that repository to deploy the infrastructure. And then they Mm -hmm. have different pipelines connected to the code or code repositories to deploy the code onto that infrastructure. Hmm. Um, Personally, I have uh, a little bit of a different take. Uh, I like this Mm -hmm. idea of splitting my, my application into different distinct components.
0: Mm -hmm. where the definition
1: of a component is the thing that I deploy separately. Mm -hmm. And then all the things related to that one component go into a single repository. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be the C sharp code. It's going to Mm -hmm. be my infrastructure as code definitions. Uh, It might be the description Mm -hmm. of my monitoring templates um, and also the the code for my pipelines, because I'm also a fan Mm -hmm. of pipeline as codes. Mm
0: -hmm. All of that
1: goes into a single repository and then Mm -hmm. ideally I wanna have just a single pipeline coming from the repository to deploy things into the different environments. Mm-hmm. One very long pipeline that first compiles it, freezes the templates, does some mm-hmm. unit testing, deploys to test, re- runs some more tests, and uh, maybe mm-hmm. deploys to a staging slot, uh, does a spot check, and then finally deploys it to production. Maybe with mm-hmm. the correct uh, approvals in place. Um, mm-hmm. So I like this philosophy of one one repository, one pipeline, Mm -hmm. one deployment target, Um, Mm. just so slicing my my code base, so to say, uh, per Mm -hmm. component. Mm. That's uh, an approach I take and has worked uh, really well so far for us
0: i agree i completely agree in fact even for serverless 360 we have a similar approach and um i can't agree more on with you on this mm-hmm. and when i look at your experience Henry, you have wide experience across um different roles you have played various roles with multiple organizations so um, can you uh share your experience with with one of the favorite roles that you have played till now
1: one of the favorite roles <laughs> Um, and maybe, maybe a bit unexpected. Um, besides mm-hmm. the, the, the larger <laughs> gigs that I've done, I also mm-hmm. uh, provide training or workshops uh, occasionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those are one of the most thing, fun things I do, because you get to go to people that awesome. um, mm-hmm. want to learn something. So
0: mm-hmm. right
1: from the start, um, we have something in common. Um, mm-hmm. often they are eager because otherwise they wouldn't mm-hmm. have been there. Um, and, and you get a day to spend with them to, to teach them about something that I'm passionate about uh, that they mm-hmm. are looking to learn. Um, and mm-hmm. it's a great way to just step out of my own work for, for a while. And also, you know, take yeah. a look at the problems that other people are dealing mm-hmm. with and, and learn mm. from them as well. So that's, I think, one of the things that I enjoy the most
0: very true very true i even i enjoy uh sharing my knowledge through community events and i can completely correlate um how does it feel like like when we share our knowledge it's mutually learning back as well so it's been an um uh, uh, like that, that i can completely understand how um uh, how much you enjoy um being sharing your knowledge with the community being a trainer awesome and it
1: goes back and forth right um yeah because when mm. i when I work, um, I, I build experience that I can use for teaching. And when mm. I when I teach, I get questions that I don't know the answer to. So True. <laughs> uh, I can learn new things. And for mm-hmm. me, so that, that builds like a circle. Um, yeah, and I think the best training comes from experience, not just from theory. Um, so Absolutely. It, I hope it also helps my customers uh, to get better trainings.
0: Absolutely. Yes, yes, I agree. <coughs> Talking about your book, Henry, and I'm sure a lot of your experiences would be um, accumulated in the book. And um, tell us more about your book. How did you get a trigger to put down your experiences into a book? Where did it all start?
1: Um, This this book, this this is the second book that I, I participated in. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't write it alone, by the way, uh, I wrote it together mm-hmm. with two, uh, two close friends mm-hmm. and people I've worked with mm-hmm. in the past, uh, mm-hmm. Eduard Kelholz and Erwin Stahl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this book started when I um, I was working on my, on my uh, previous book. And mm-hmm. of course, when you write a book, you go through this thing like, oh, this is amazing. And then somewhere about a third, it feels mm-hmm. like this is never going to get done. And then you you're going <laughs> through half a year or pain. And then slowly mm. towards the end, you feel a little bit better about yourself. But that it's at, mm. mm. at some point, I promised myself to never write a book again. And then <laughs> I, I finally finished the first book, and I had it in my hands. And right at that spot, mm. I got an email from Manning saying, would you mm-hmm. like to write us a book about infrastructure as code? And I looked at the book in my hands, I said, of course, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> um, so going, going back to the, to the thing that I promised myself and then I thought, Oh no, what did I do? Why did I say yes? And then I asked Aaron <laughs> and Edward to help me. Um, so mm. that, um, cause what that's one of the things that I, I learned from my previous book, um, even though Mike mm-hmm. wrote a chapter, the remainder of the book, I had to write alone and working mm-hmm. alone is not for me. I enjoy working in a team. And mm. so I'm really happy that I got Edward and Aaron on board and that we finished the book together in the last year and a half.
0: So that's the awesome. story. <laughs> that's the story. How did it all start? And now coming to the um, second off of the story, what can we expect from this book and who is the right target audience um, to read this book?
1: Um, the target audience, I think, is everyone who is mm-hmm. working on the Azure cloud and is in some mm-hmm. way responsible um, mm-hmm. for deploying stuff, let's call it stuff, into Azure. Mm-hmm. So either mm-hmm. if... That can either be like, I'm a network engineer, and I have to Mm -hmm. manage virtual networks. I'm a security Mm -hmm. engineer, I have to manage policies and the configuration of resources, I want to be able to review that, or somebody Mm -hmm. in an application team, which has to manage their own infrastructure for the component or components they are running.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: So I think every engineer that touches on Azure. Now, what to expect from the book? This book is called Azure Infrastructure as Code with Arm Templates Mm -hmm. and Bicep. And that's mm-hmm. because we have taken the c- conscience choice to mm-hmm. only write about the native infrastructure as code capabilities of Azure.
0: Mm-hmm. ARM
1: templates, a Bicep, mm-hmm. Azure policy, mm-hmm. um, a deployment stacks, there's a little bit in them uh, in there about that as well, even though it's not in a public preview yet. And there mm-hmm. is stuff in about Bicep registries. I think mm-hmm. the full ecosystem Um, that Mm. you can use natively on Azure is in there.
0: Mm. It also Mm -hmm.
1: means that Mm -hmm. the big competitor, let's call it that, Terraform, is not Mm -hmm. covered because that's not a native Mm -hmm. tool. So if you're working solely with Azure, I think Mm -hmm. this book is a really good approach to getting started because the Mm -hmm. native tools are more simpler to start with than Terraform. Mm -hmm. If you have requirements that really require you to do more than that, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. it's still a good foundation. But it might be that you need more later on.
0: Mm. So we can look for it in your upcoming book, and this book is also available in as an ebook. So we are going to share the URL with uh, for the listeners to grab an ebook uh, right from here in the description of this podcast. Yeah.
1: All right. Thank you.
0: Awesome. So, uh, Henry, I see that you play multiple roles and now being an independent solution architect, you might be working with multiple customers at the same point in time, right? How do you differentiate your uh, role as a full-time employee and as an uh, independent consultant now? How how is it different?
1: Um, You might want to compare the two.
0: Compare Um, the two?
1: (laughs) I don't know really because... Um, The Mm -hmm. engagements that I do, often I have Mm -hmm. one like big client at a time Mm -hmm. that takes somewhere Mm -hmm. between three or five days a week. And Mm. that's very comparable to being a full-time employee. Okay. Um, Well, I do have more freedom, things like if if I want to go away for a day or if I want to start a little bit later, which I like to do. Mm -hmm. um, Mm. And then work a little bit later as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So there is a little bit more freedom. um, Yeah. Mm. I I still, because I'm longer with a client and I'm there for multiple days, I I still strongly identify with the product and the thing we want to achieve. It's Mm -hmm. not easier to to stop at five than it was when I was an FTE.
0: True. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Sometimes it feels like people just a little bit more easily listen to you because Mm -hmm. you're external and temporary and Mm. you have just been coming in from another company or another gig well, as oh, an FTE, perfect. people know you for a longer time. And it's oh. like, yeah, you always say that. Um, <laughs> and of course, what I had once that that when the job was done, that I mm-hmm. came in to do, and they wanted mm-hmm. to me to do something else as well. I just could mm-hmm. say, I'm sorry, no, I don't want to do that. I'm just mm-hmm. going to move on to a, to another gig right now. And mm-hmm. for a poster recording, uh, we have to Uh, cut this part out because my headset just stopped so I need to switch on my other headset before I can hear you again one second please yeah sure Uh, Asani
0: yeah, can I can hear Ye- you, Henry. can you?
1: Yes, all right. I can hear you again as well. I'm sorry about that. yeah,
0: no problem. we can understand.
1: All right, but I'm ready to go again.
0: Yeah, sure. So are you done with the um that response or should we redo it? That's fine No, I,
1: I just kept talking while I couldn't hear you anymore. so <laughs> as far as I'm concerned i'm uh, I'm done.
0: okay okay that's awesome. Yeah. So um, I would like to know, Henry, you sound to be a really busy person. As you said, sometimes you might have to uh, start early and then uh, finish late. How do you keep up your health uh, when you are working most of the time at the desk? I think this would be a best tip for many of us.
1: So honestly, it is a historical. Um, mm-hmm. People that, that have seen me can attest to the fact that I look mm. like uh, I am very, very healthy mm. um, and that I eat enough. Uh, <laughs> but what I uh, what I try to do is um, I try to uh, run at least three times a week. Um, oh, wow. Mm. Um, I, I said I try, right? Uh, that's not always <laughs> working out. Um, I have I've, I've one very big motivator or actually two. The, the first one and the biggest one is that I do together with my wife. So it is mm-hmm. something that we do together. Sometimes we run separately, but at least every week we go uh, we go together once into the forest, mm, mm, take it easy, mm, take the time. Mm, so you're really doing something together that's fun. Mm,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and the other one is that every year together we also run half a marathon. Uh, yeah. I live on a small island of Tessel,
0: mm-hmm. which is part of the
1: Netherlands. And mm-hmm. then every year there is half a marathon here. And mm-hmm. so you get on the boat with about 1,500 people. Then the ferry mm-hmm. goes to Den Helder and then back to the island. And mm-hmm. then the second it docks, it sounds its horn. And that's the start of the, of the run. Mm-hmm. And then you have to run mm-hmm. to, the, to the central village. So that's my motivator mm-hmm. to keep training, because you can't run half a marathon mm. Uh, mm, without mm, any mm. training. So that's that um, what I try to do. Mm. And I cheat a little bit. Um, mm. Sometimes I start a little bit early, and then halfway the day I go for a bike, mm. or halfway the day I go mm. for a run. Just break your day into different parts, and, and, uh, and move a little bit in between. Someone, I just heard uh, a great Mm -hmm. quote once, Mm -hmm. um, which Mm -hmm. said everybody has to walk for at least half an hour each day.
0: Unless you're very Mm.
1: busy, then you have Mm. to walk for an hour. Uh,
0: Mm. (laughs) Which
1: illustrates the point that we need to downtime, we need to relax, we need time to collect our thoughts and do nothing, be pointless for a bit.
0: Very true. Very true. That, that's very much necessary that we refresh our brain for some time so that we can come back with that power. And you know what, Henry, the, um, the way you have put forth your response itself has given us a refreshment and motivation to ensure that we strike balance at work and life. So that's some great advice. Uh, for all those who spend most of our time at the desk make sure that you cut off your day spend some time to refresh yourself and then walk every day as henry says or semantics mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, Henry, to our listeners, uh, so we have come to an end of our podcast. Thanks for sharing a lot of insights, both on the technical side as well as on the personal front. And then how do we uh, end this podcast is um, with our guests' um, insight for the young audience who are listening to uh, this podcast like if they are getting started with azure what is your advice for them how how should they uh, get on with this journey as azure evolves
1: um how to start um
0: or do you want me to rephrase the question,
1: Andrew? No, 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 no it's a good question. I'm just thinking of, of, an, of okay. an appropriate answer. I think the, the mm. first thing I would say is don't be afraid. Mm. Um, Very true.
0: Yeah, that's nice. Mm.
1: When I when I look at how developers try new things, there are two two approaches. The first mm. one is just looking at something and then thinking. What if mm. I click this button? What might happen or how would this mm. work? Let me mm. try to reason about it today. They, so mm. their hands are not mm. on the keyboard. They're trying mm. to build something in their mind about what might happen. Mm. And the other the other approach is that people just do something and see mm. what happens. So they give a stimuli to the to the thing they're studying and then seeing what mm. happens. They get mm. their hands on the keyboard. They try things and then they say Ooh, that wasn't a good idea. And then they laugh and then they carry on. Mm. I would encourage everybody to try the second approach don't Mm. look at that blanking cursor just Mm -hmm. do something try it see what happens
0: Mm. that's a great motivation yes get your hands dirty exactly try it out even if we fail we have a great learning waiting for us
1: Yes, and and do that by creating pet projects. And I don't necessarily mean do open source and and, and work Mm. in the evenings to show how smart you are. I'm not encouraging Mm. that, but at your work, Mm. if you have Mm. to study something, file Mm. new project, Try things Mm. there and then apply Mm. them in your real code base.
0: Exactly. That's a great advice, Henry. So I'm sure um, the last few minutes have been really helpful and really interesting. I didn't realize that we have been talking for uh, more than 20 minutes now it's a great session henry thanks for your time and sharing your experience and valuable thoughts with us thank you so much
1: it was my pleasure thank you
0: thank you Amrita.